Well, I did it. I ran the best marathon of my life last Sunday. The 2023 Chicago Marathon was really an amazing experience. I've honestly never felt so good in a marathon before. I just got home a couple of days ago and I brought a little bit of a cold with me. So if I sound a little bit off, that is why. But thankfully, last Sunday, I felt amazing and ran a really a phenomenal race. I, I finished in 2.46.35, which was a seven-minute PR over my previous personal best from Boston in 2022. It was something I really had to work really hard for. Um, my past few marathons, they were challenging. I hit the wall most of my past couple of marathons pretty bad from like mile 18 to 20. But here in Chicago, I felt fantastic from from start to finish. The final two miles um, in 24, 25, into 26 were, were pretty tough, a little tough, um, but really not that bad. I actually think my final 5K was my fastest split of the entire race. And I negative split Chicago by about a minute and a half, which I don't think I've ever done in a marathon before. I worked really hard for this one. If this is my crowning achievement in the marathon, I'll be happy with that. In fact, I had to revamp just about everything with my training to accomplish this goal. And in today's episode of the Night and Runs podcast, I want to share with you how I achieved this breakthrough performance. And most importantly, I want to talk about how you can too. Before I get started, just wanted to let you know that you can download a free copy of my marathon training guide by going to my website, nightandruns.com slash book. I'll send you a free preview edition of Run Faster Marathons, The Proven Path to PR. We've got 62 reviews on Amazon, an average rating of five stars. People really like how easy the book is to read. Um, it's not a skimmer. You can read the whole thing and you're really going to learn a lot that you can improve to become a better marathoner right away. So let's talk about what I did to run the best marathon of my life at Chicago, run a seven-minute PR, and run 246, feeling good from start to finish. Like I said earlier, I honestly had to revamp everything with my training. First of all is I made an effort, a very conscious effort, to consistently run high mileage throughout this training cycle. Around the birth of my daughter a year and a half ago, my mileage definitely dipped. I, I previously would get up to like 70 to 80 miles per week when training for a marathon, but around the birth of my daughter, not surprisingly, I ran a good deal less, probably 40 to 60 miles per week. Um, 60 would be great. I mean, often probably like 40 is what I would do. And um, not surprisingly, I didn't set that many PRs during this time period. Um the benefits of running high mileage will stay with you. So if you if you're running higher mileage for a while and then you you get away from it and you run less, you're probably not going to decrease your fitness that much. You can get by with less, but it's not realistic to think that you're going to continue to improve if you all of a sudden start running a lot less, right? Um and in my past few marathons, yeah, I I was running a 
good deal less, maybe 25% or more less. And um, I, I struggled with hitting the wall in them for sure. But for Chicago, I really wanted to get back to my peak fitness better, better than I've ever been before. I made it an effort to run 70 to 80 miles per week in my peak. And I think in my final peak week before tapering, I did three consecutive weeks that averaged to about 80 miles. And the month before that, I was averaging about 70 miles. So this was a lot for me and a good, a really good amount. I made it so that like a typical easy day recovery day for me was 10 miles and getting into the double digits just on a daily basis was great for my my endurance and great for my confidence it really gave me the 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 confidence that i could run 26.2 miles without hitting the wall i also made a really big effort to increase the length of my long runs so i did six consecutive 20 to 24 mile long runs some of those were fast some of those were slow but six in a row, six weeks in a row, and I and I ate gels and I drank water in those just like I would on marathon race day. So I felt very, very confident after logging all those very long runs that, again, I would be able to run 26.2 miles on race day without hitting the wall. Building your mileage is the most important thing that you can do to become a better marathoner. It's not a stretch to say that the more miles you run, the better you're going to be. But you have to do it safely and patiently. So don't just see, oh, Chris was running 70, 80 miles doing all these 20 to 24 mile long runs. I need to do that too. That's not the right answer. You need to gradually increase what you're doing from training cycle to training cycle. As a good rule of thumb, I suggest trying to increase your mileage by about 10 miles per training cycle, assuming you were successful and felt healthy with the amount of mileage that you did in your previous one. But that consistent adding of about 10 miles per training cycle, maybe that's 20 miles per per week total that you're adding each year, that over the course of several years will make you a great, great runner. And you'll do it in a way that's safe and uh, and, and gradual. And you're going to see continued improve, improvement along the way. And, and you won't plateau too fast when you do it that way too. The next thing that I did to have such a great performance at Chicago was I tried a fresh variety of workouts. So from my previous three marathons, I basically did the same exact workouts for each each race. And to be honest, I was a little bit bored of doing them after going through three training cycles doing those workouts. They worked pretty good. I was continuing to improve from race to race, getting small PRs, but I wanted to keep it fresh. Honestly, um, marathon training has not always been my favorite thing to do. I think Shorter distance races are, are ones that I personally uh, find to be a lot more fun. And sometimes just grinding out the long, long runs and the long tempo runs honestly aren't my favorite. So I wanted to include the types of workouts 
in my training that were going to be fun and make me want to get out the door each day and get after it while still being in line with my marathon training and racing goals. So while I followed the general principle of the six phases of marathon training that I talk about, the specifics of my workouts were quite different. And this kept my body guessing and it stimulated growth while keeping it fun. So I want to send a big thank you and shout out to my wife and coach, Erica Knighton. Uh, She wrote an incredible training plan for me, gave me a bunch of really fun workouts that I'd never done before that I really, really enjoyed. And it kept marathon training really, really fun and made me fall back in love with the process of getting ready for a marathon again. So the takeaway for you on this is that If you've been doing the same training for several cycles in a row and either you're getting a little bored of it or you're not seeing continued improvement, definitely switch it up. If you're working with a coach, talk with your coach about modifying your workouts. Any good coach will be able to give you a variety of workouts that are going to accomplish the same goal, but in a different way of getting you there. So, you know, if you've been doing a lot of interval workouts and you're tired of those or a lot of long tempos and you're tired of those and you want to mix it up, maybe you want to do more, uh, more fart licks or, or, uh, more track sessions or, uh, faster long runs or slower long runs, something different than you've been doing before. There's many ways to get you to your marathon training goals and your coach can help you out with that. If you don't work with a coach and you're following training plans that you found in a book or you're following one of my training plans, find a different system. There's many great systems out there that work well. Um, when I first got into running, I followed the the Jack Daniels running formula for a while. I've had a lot of success with the, the Hanson's Marathon method. Um, the Benji Durgan method is a good one. Uh, the the Pete Fitzinger advanced marathoning method is a good one, and I've a lot of these things I included in my own training program, the complete marathon training program, which is available on my website, and uh, that's a great program as well. That's basically how I coach the majority of my athletes. So there's nothing wrong with following the same training program if you're seeing results and you're enjoying it, but if you're not enjoying it or you're not seeing the results uh, anymore, maybe you feel like you've hit a plateau, mix up your training. And that's one of the best things that you can do to really break through. The next thing is you need to really love what you're doing. To be honest, in my past few marathons, I don't know if I was really, really in love with running the marathon. I absolutely love running. But like I said earlier, my personal favorite events are probably 5K, 10K. I really like the 10-mile distance. I really love track racing. I really like competitive racing and races where I can run really fast. The marathon has always had like a special allure to me. It's a it's very challenging to run that far and and to push yourself to the limits. And the world marathon majors especially have a unique energy that's unlike really any other event that you'll do in running. Um, But marathons aren't super competitive. It's very hard to, to race a marathon. It's generally more of like a time trial effort where you're competing against yourself, doing your best, and 
the people around you, um, more so you're working together rather than actually competing with them. So it's, you know, for 99% of people running marathons is a very different experience than say something like racing a 5k. Um, and the, I coach a lot of marathoners and, and am active in marathoning myself. Um, but for the past couple of years, being so involved in the marathon world, yeah, I got maybe a little burnt out on it at times. Um, you know, wanted to do them, but like it, it wasn't the event that was really calling to me. If that makes sense. Um, I was more interested in getting faster, being more competitive in shorter races, uh, and that's where I was just finding fun and enjoyment. But I knew I had a lot more potential in the marathon than I had ever shown before. I knew, honestly, if I just had a good marathon training cycle and ran smart and practiced everything that I preach here at Night and Runs, that I would run a great race. And honestly, yeah, I fell back in love with training for the marathon and racing the marathon to get ready for Chicago. You have to. If you don't love what you're doing, if you don't want to be doing it, you're not going to give your best effort. You're not going to dig deep when it matters most. Positive energy really does play a big role in how well you do. And when you want it deeply, when you really want to achieve something, if it's really important to you and you really care about it and you really want to do your best, you will. And, you know, changing all these variables up made me fall back in love with training for the marathon. I remember I had a great workout two or three weeks before Chicago. It was three by three miles at half marathon pace with a four minute jog in between. Total run ended up, I think, being maybe about 14 miles or so, maybe up to 16 miles. And I ran it on a great route in the um, suburbs near where I live in kind of some country-ish type roads. And the fall season was just starting to turn. It was a great morning out on the road running. And it was just so fun and so cool to be out there and, and do a big workout like that. And I remember just feeling so good and so strong and so proud of myself uh, as I was doing it. But then also after and just thinking like, wow, that was that was a big run. And that was something I did on my own just in training felt great. I can't think of anything I would have rather been doing that morning than that run. And that kind of workout, it just, it gave me the confidence to get after this marathon and know that I could do, could do great there and knew, knew that honestly, nothing was going to stop me as long as I did my best and ran smart. So I fell back in love with the process. And I think the takeaway here is you really need to love what you do. You know, you'll be so much more successful in any endeavor, whether it's your running or your work or an aspect of your life, if you are excited about it and you want to be doing it. Okay. You know, find what you love and follow that path. It may look different than the path of others, and that is okay. There are many, many different ways that you can enjoy running and you don't need to do anything or follow a certain path just because you, your friends are doing it or other runners you know are doing it or you see people on Instagram doing it. Um, 
there are many, many different ways to chase after your running goals and do it in the way that inspires you in the way that you love. Don't feel obligated to to do something if you don't want to. The next thing is looking for little ways to improve. This was my seventh marathon, and I've been coaching athletes to run faster marathons and run with more confidence for years. But there's always things that you can improve. And there's at least five different things that I've really revamped in preparation for the Chicago Marathon. What were those things? Well, I worked with my coach, my wife, Erica. And yeah, we found five different things that that I think helped me run a better marathon. So the first thing was I've been doing all of my races since 2019 in the Nike Vaporfly. And I stopped using them this training cycle. I changed my shoes. I switched to the the Saucony Endorphin Pro 2, which is a shoe that I'd been training in for a long time, but never did a race in. And I switched to them because I was struggling with cramping and muscle soreness in my marathons where I wore the Nike Vaporfly. And I had, every time I tried to wear the Nike Vaporfly in long runs, like 20 or longer, 20 mile or longer long runs, I would get that same soreness and that feeling of cramping coming on. And it got to the point where, you know, I know this is a fast shoe. I'd set all my PRs in the shoe. It's what arguably the fastest shoe in the world, but the cramping and, and soreness I was getting wearing these in the marathon, it just didn't seem worth it. I was hitting the wall so bad and it just, it took me a very long time to realize this, but I, I was like, is it something with these shoes that's causing my fatigue? And if I switched out these shoes, would I feel better? Would I not experience cramping? Would I not experience fatigue? So I switched to the Saucony Endorphin Pro 2 and I never experienced cramping in my long runs. I didn't experience it in my marathon. I felt great wearing these shoes. They feel much more like a normal shoe. They don't feel like a silly trampoline like the Vaporflies feel like. And I was able to run just as fast in them over the marathon distance as I was wearing the Vaporfly, but with no soreness and no fatigue so don't get stuck in your ways. Just because you've been doing something for a while, it doesn't mean that you have it completely dialed in. If you can identify any sort of problem with your running or training, maybe there's a slight variable that you can change like the shoes. I just assumed that these were the best shoes and they were the best shoes for me. But after several years, honestly, of experiencing this cramping and fatigue problem, I decided, hey, let's change this one variable. Let's get rid of the shoes. And I felt so much better. So that's the first thing that I did. The next thing that I did was I put more emphasis on strength training in the early phases of my marathon training. So in the base phase and in the speed development phase of marathon training, where my mileage was still a bit lower and I had more time in the day to focus on strength training, I really made it an effort to to get stronger in my legs, in my core, in my hips. And I also did upper body strength with some light weights. And 
I thought that this would prepare me for the longer and harder runs to come, and I thought it would help reduce some of that cramping and soreness that I often experience in the later stages of a marathon, um, but by putting this emphasis on strength training early on in my in my training. And I will say that in the later stages of my training, I pretty much gave up on strength training. I didn't really do it much anymore. I got to a point where I was running 90 minutes a day to two hours per day, which is a lot. And honestly, I didn't really want to make the time to put in any additional strength training. But I think that is okay um, because running is the primary thing that's going to make you a better runner. And if you build the strength early on and you can then carry that through the remainder of your training, you're going to be just fine. So I think that really helped a lot. And my my coach worked with me to figure out what would be a good strength training program for me to implement. And I, I really, really enjoyed that. It helped a lot. The next thing that I did was I increased the length of my long runs significantly. And I, I touched on this earlier, but I ran 20 to 24 miles six times in a row. I think this is the most I've ever done in terms of long, long runs like this. And um, it's very important to keep your long runs in perspective with your overall mileage. So I wouldn't recommend that everyone listening to this goes out and does six 20 milers in a row, but I was running 70 to 80 miles per week. So 20 to 24 miles is eh, 25 to 30 or a little bit more percent of my total weekly mileage. So that's an okay amount. When your long runs start getting above 40, 50% of your total weekly mileage, that's a little much. But for me, given the total amount of mileage I was running, I was strong and able to do those long runs. And um, I, I was able to recover from them as well between... Uh, you know, doing them each week. They they didn't take so much of a toll on my body. Also, I ran the long runs more for time, really, than I did for distance. So I knew the marathon was going to take me two hours and 40 minutes to two hours and 50 minutes. So I did my long runs primarily based on time. I would start off doing long runs in two hours. I worked up to two and a half hours. And then in this six uh, long runs I did between 20 and 24, I wasn't necessarily trying to hit a certain mileage. It was more like I'm going to go out and run for two and a half hours, two hours and 45 minutes, three hours. I think I did one long run of three hours because I wanted to run longer than what it would take me to do the marathon. Um, but I found this was really, really helpful to do six long runs for the amount of time it roughly it would take to run the full marathon and uh you know cover close to the distance of the full marathon again keep in mind um i'm running i ran a 246 marathon my long runs were two and a half hours to three hours long so it was about an equivalent amount of time if you're looking at running a 3.30 marathon, a four-hour marathon, a four-and-a-half-hour marathon, I don't necessarily recommend you go and do a bunch of long runs that are three-and-a-half hours, four hours, four-and-a-half hours long. Long runs over, let's say, two-and-a-half hours are extremely taxing on our bodies. We're not going to recover from them as quickly. And... Um, 
there's kind of diminishing returns. Marathon training, when I guess you can run under three hours or close to it, you kind of have the luxury of, okay, you can kind of run the amount of time it's going to take you to do the marathon and training safely and regularly. But when you're looking at doing a slower marathon than that, you can't you can't really quite do that. It's not quite the same. So you need to approach your training in a slightly different way. Keep your long runs relatively 30%, maybe up to 40% of your total weekly mileage, but be careful to not overemphasize the importance of the long run. You want to make sure it's in balance with your overall training and um, know that you're going to get the biggest boost to your fitness by doing consistent long runs in the two to three hour length, just like I was doing. And you know, kind of like how when you do interval training, you do say three by mile at 5k pace, and then magically on race day, you're able to run three miles at 5k pace. When you're training for a marathon, you might do 16 miler one week, an 18 miler one week, 14 miler the next week. And then, you know, maybe that's two hours one week, two and a half hours one week, three hours one week. But then magically it all comes together and you're able to run for, say, four hours um, and 26 miles on race day. So you're kind of breaking it into chunks more when you are looking at uh, running a marathon well over three hours. The next thing that I did that I think put a huge role in running 246 at Chicago and not hitting the wall is I completely overhauled my fueling and drinking strategy for the Chicago Marathon. I used to use the Goo brand energy gels. And to be honest, I primarily use them because you could buy a box of them for, for pretty inexpensive. I think you get a whole box for, I don't know, 25 or $30. They're, they're probably only at one or $2 per gel. And I figured eh, I can use them more frequently like this. And they're pretty expensive. I don't need to, you know, be stingy with them or anything like that. And I always use the, the gel brand, uh, the goo gel brand. Um, and I would take them, I think, every 30 to 45 minutes in my marathons. But to be honest, I was I don't think I was ever like super regimented with it. And I would alternate between the caffeinated ones and the non-caffeinated ones. The Goo brand actually doesn't have that much caffeine in it. I think it's only like 20 or 50 grams of caffeine per serving, which um, is actually not probably not enough to provide much of any kind of an athletic benefit. For this race, I decided it would be a good investment to to upgrade my my energy gel a bit. And since I figured, you know, I want to run the best I've ever run. My body is, excuse the 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 brag, but you know I want to be a high performing race car, right? Like a I want premium gas because I'm trying to run a high performance marathon. So I switched to Morton Gel, which is the gel that you know was most commonly used by the highest performing athletes in the sport right now. And it's really like rocket fuel. It's, it's uh premium gas, right. For like Ferraris. <laughs> but if you're trying to be that on race day, I think it's beneficial to, 
to you know get the best perf- best fuel for you to perform best on race day. So I switched to Morton and I felt amazing with it. Um, you know, everyone is going to feel different on different fuels. Um, so this is not a, a advertisement for, for Morton, but it worked really, really well for me. Morton's are, are pricey. They're like three or $4 per gel. And if you're taking one every half an hour and you're taking them on your long runs, like I am, um, you know, you might eat $20 of gel in the long run every weekend. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of an investment in your performance, but, uh, I found it to really make me feel good from start to finish in my long runs. They went down easy. They're flavorless, which I love. Um, and I just committed to taking one every 30 minutes in any long run over 90 minutes. So in a 90 minute long run, I'd take one at 30, I'd take one at 60, two hour long run, I'd take one at 30, 60, 90, right? Three hour long run, I would take one at 30, 60, 90, 120, uh, 150, uh, two, is another one, 220, I don't know, every 30 minutes, right? And um, I would try to drink regularly along the way. Most people under fuel, both water and uh carbs calories during during the run most people will do better if they take in more so i made a huge effort to do this and to train myself train my stomach to handle it throughout training so that i would be able to perform my best on race day and in chicago i felt fantastic i took one more in right before the race started and then i took i think it was six during the race took one every four miles so four eight twelve sixteen twenty twenty four and I took water from every single aid station, 20 aid stations or so, every mile roughly. Uh, and I would alternate between water and Gatorade. I felt fantastic throughout the entire race. I had tons of energy. Um, it, it didn't feel like too much fuel because I had practiced doing this throughout my training on all my long runs. By mile 24, my stomach was actually starting to turn a little bit. I was feeling a little sick to my stomach. Maybe that's because I was eating and drinking so much during the run. Um, Maybe it was just because it was the end of a marathon. Uh, Ultimately, it didn't really affect my performance at all. I was glad the race was over when it was. um, But um, yeah, I I felt good eating and drinking that much. And now I have a a system that works. I know it works. And I'm going to use this in future marathons. Most people listening to this are probably under fueling. That would be my guess. If you think you might be, you probably are. If you're only taking a gel every 45 minutes, every hour, uh, less than that, you're definitely under fueling. Um, If you can train yourself to take more energy in during your long runs, during your races, you will perform better. And this was a huge thing that I did to run to my potential in the marathon. It's so, so important in the marathon to eat and drink along the way. The next thing that I did, the final thing that I did that I think really helped me run my best in the marathon is for the first time in my life, I strategically carb loaded before the race. And, um, I generally eat a pretty high carb diet. I've been vegan for most of my life, whole foods based primarily, uh, eat very healthy, eat a lot of uh, carbs, wheat, rice, oats, eat oatmeal for breakfast almost every day. Um, 
but I never specifically carb loaded or intentionally carb loaded before a race. And um, I want to give a shout out to uh, the marathon nutritionist on Instagram, uh, Christy Bauman, who taught me about carb loading and how to do it correctly. She's a running dietitian. She's at marathon.nutritionist on Instagram, so you can check her out. And basically, what she taught me is that I should be eating 500 to 550 grams of carbohydrates in the final three days before my marathon. And that if I did that, I would have a really big improvement uh, in my marathon. I would uh, perhaps be able to run two or 3% faster and avoid hitting the wall. And I, I think it worked. I really do. Um, I tracked my carbs that I was eating for the three days before the marathon. This is not something I've ever done before. Uh, and I was actually surprised. It's a lot of carbohydrates, even for someone who eats a high carbohydrate diet like I do, to actually track it and ensure that you're getting that many carbohydrates um, is it's 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 a lot. Uh, just as a as an example of what I ate three days before the marathon when I was still at home and cooking for myself, I think for breakfast I had a big bowl of oatmeal uh, with with syrup on it for added sugar. Um, banana. Uh, I had I started eating rice cakes for snacks in between meals. Uh, for lunch, I believe I had uh, I had um, white rice, like two two cups of white rice with a little bit of vegetables and I think tofu. And for dinner that night, I had um, I made a. I got a baguette from the grocery store and made like a like a like a vegan meatball sub, um, but mostly just wanted to eat the baguette because I had like a huge amount of carbs. Um, it and I was tracking. I was tracking. And then I had ice cream at dinner uh, to get like my final fifty carbs for the day. It was a lot of carbs and uh, kind of amazing how many that that I, it seemed like I was supposed to take per this guidance to run my best. Honestly, the first day of doing it, I felt like this is kind of a lot. Like I can't, I'm not even hungry enough to eat this much. Um, and then the second and third day I was traveling and I wasn't counting the carbs as accurately because um, I was traveling for Chicago and it was just a little harder to do that. But I still probably ate close to about 500. Um <sighs> But it was a lot. And honestly, I was like, oh, am I eating like too much before the race? Am I I'm feeling kind of like bloated and like am I just should I just I'm forcing down food to like get the carbs? This is this bad? Um, but you know what? It I felt great on race day. Um, I had tremendous energy. I didn't hit the wall at all for the first time. My final 5k was my fastest of the day. And I think it worked. I honestly think it worked. There's definitely some refinement that I can make for my next marathon with how I approach the carb loading. I've learned kind of the process now and have a general sense of like what I need to be eating to do it effectively. Um, but I think it really, really helped. And, you know, in seven marathons, that's something I've never, never really intentionally done before. So, um, you know, these are things that that you can learn, and and if you you do one or two of these things every training cycle, and you add it to your regimen, and you find benefit from it, 
you know, within a few training cycles, you're just going to be a phenomenal marathoner. You're just going to get better from race to race to race. Don't get stuck in your ways. There's always opportunities to continue to improve. I mean, this was my seventh marathon and I feel like I got tremendous improvement by switching my shoes, by putting more emphasis on strength training, by increasing my long runs, by overhauling my fueling, and by carb loading strategically before my race. Those are just five things that I did. You don't necessarily need to do all five of those things before your next race, but pick one or two or something else that you think that you can improve on and, you know, make that a focus and it and it will will help you a lot. So that's how I ran such a great race at Chicago. I'm super, super proud of the performance. Um, I, I downloaded my splits from the race and I think I, I came through the halfway point in 124, which was the half marathon. And then I picked it up a little bit from there. Um, my finishing time was, was 246, uh, 35, I believe it was. So that means that my second half would have been, um, what would that be? 122, uh, 30, 35 roughly. So I, so I ran about a minute and a half negative split. Felt really, really good in that second half. And all these little things that I did, increasing my mileage, variety of training, loving what I did again, um, looking for all those little ways to improve throughout the process. Those are the things that all came together on race day. They all made a little bit of a difference. And in my seventh marathon, I was able to have a big breakthrough performance. So my question for you is, what's one thing that you want to do a little bit better in your next training cycle? Hopefully this conversation today sparked a thought of, yeah, I can do that better. So I'd love it if you let me know what that is. You can reach me at nightruns at gmail.com and tell me what you're going to do to improve in your next training cycle. And until next time, this has been Coach Chris Knighton with the Night and Runs podcast. I hope your running's going well, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.